Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary on this Monday after most of week two in the NFL. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening. For those of you watching on YouTube, thank you very much. Subscribe and like as always. Uh, if you are listening, rate review, rate, review and subscribe wherever you can and tell people about the show looking to grow this thing and the more people know about it the easier that becomes for me so uh coming up on the show today it is a full recap of week two in the national football league a full recap of the week that was in the canadian football league the toronto blue jays are back ish and we will get into today's ticket along with some talk about ufc noche that went down over the weekend if you want to get in touch with me on social media twitter instagram and tiktok i'm at primetime klein twitch.tv slash primetime pk and you can email this show couch potato diary at yahoo.com that's my cat in the background this is going to be a fun show and i thank you all so much hi fans for tuning in today hi i'm kim carson and I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need a top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! Alright, we begin with a cat over my shoulder in the National Football League. Uh, there she goes. There's a step there. She didn't just plummet to her uh, downfall, but uh, she just took a step off. She's actually on the lower step. Anyway, none of that's important. And if you're listening on the podcast, none of that made sense. Uh, but let's start in the National Football League. Sunday Night Football was the Miami Dolphins taking on the New England Patriots. And the Dolphins moved 2-0 with the Patriots dropping to 0-2. And there's a few different things to, to look at here. One, it was very obvious from the beginning that the New England Patriots were kind of keyed in on, hey, you know that thing where Tyreek Hill went for 200 yards last week? Let's try to make that not happen. And so they were going with three safeties deep. Basically felt like they were in a prevent defense the whole game. Um, and this is where you could tell throughout the entire offseason, the Dolphins were looking at getting a, a more explosive running back in there. Raheem Mostert will it was the explosive running back they had at home, and he comes up with a few big plays in this game, um, including a couple of big runs to what, what eventually iced it. Just a quick note, that play where I think it was Gesicki with the, the toss to the offensive lineman, and he comes up just short of the first down. That was awesome. I don't like the Patriots. I have no reason to, to like the Patriots. I pick against them actively, root against them continuously and consistently. Um, so I, I don't want good things to happen to the New England Patriots now or ever. But that was fucking sweet. And I wish that would have been actually uh, a first down to, to continue that game. And that's someone who had um, an investment, let's say, um, against the New England Patriots and for the Miami Dolphins and a, a season-long kind of a investment in the Patriots not doing well. So would have really liked for, uh, loved, in fact, the, the final result. But just from a, well, that was cool standpoint, that was really cool. And I really hoped that the, the play would have continued just to, to be able to, to let that one roll. And then uh, a new era of offense is found in the National Football League where offensive linemen get the second touch and they just bowl forward for five yards. Um, but it was fun. It was not to be. And Miami Dumbs come away with a win. By the way, the, the right call was made on that. Um, I, I think it was, by the end of it, it was pretty conclusive that that was not a first down. But for the, the Dolphins to put the Patriots in that spot, this offense still has to be pretty good. I get it's only 24 points and the, the numbers aren't video game-esque as they were in week one, but that is a very good defense on the New England side of things. And that's something we have to admit now. Through two weeks, that is a very good New England Patriots defense that they, they have 
kind of built there. But for Miami to still come away, 24 points, the numbers look fine, um, and they were able to adapt, right? Because that was something that went against Kansas City a couple of years ago, where everyone went a couple of safeties high and just kind of forced, and it, it's something we saw in week one for the Buffalo Bills against the, the New York Jets, force these teams to be patient, and it ends up killing them. Eventually, they try to throw deep into triple coverage and it's intercepted, or they try to push the ball downfield. You just make them be perfect the entire way, and Miami kind of was. Um, obviously, that's not going to be 100% the case all the time, but the, the Miami Dolphins were able to go out and just... It's so cliche, but take what the defense gave them and come away with a, a strong victory in this one. And on the New England side, I think it's safe to say through two games, this defense is legit. The offense is fine, but like I... I have been, I feel like I've been so hard on Mac Jones that I've come all the way around and now I feel like, you know what, maybe I've been too hard on him. Now, now I don't know if I'm, you know, believing this kid enough, but like he, he is fine. He, he is, he, he is fine, but that this offense, I don't think is enough to get this team to, to where they need to get to. Now they've played two very difficult teams. Um, if we ended up with Miami against Philadelphia in the Super Bowl, I, I don't think people would be all that stunned by it. So it's, it's a couple of tough games that new England has had, but th their offense, it's very clear does not, sorry for those listening. My cat is just in the background looking at the door. She was meowing to come in literally 15 seconds before I hit record. And now she looks like the saddest cat that's ever cat, uh, just in the background there. And apparently I'm boring her, but anyway, all of that is to say, um, the, the New England offense, I don't think is enough to, to keep this team in any kind of a playoff hunt going forward. One team that does have the offense to do that is the Dallas Cowboys. They've just put up 70 in their first two games against the, uh, New York teams, the Giants and the Jets. Um, and this was an impressive one. I... I said coming in, I thought Dak Prescott was a lock to throw an interception. I thought that th this defense was going to keep this game close, and they didn't. The Dallas Cowboys put a hurtin' on those New York Jets, and I think brought a lot of people back to reality of how hard this is going to be for the Jets now moving forward. If they are going to be a team that makes any kind of noise in the regular season, not even in the playoffs, but now in the regular season, A, defense can't be given up 30 and B, this is an offense that is going to have to do a little bit more or a lot bit more than what they have done so far. And now my cat is sniffing a lucha mask behind me. This, I promise this won't be a running commentary on what my cat does. Although maybe that'll put up numbers. Who's, say, who's it say? But this is definitely a team that people were excited about coming into the year. We all agree on this. But this was also a team that I said after week one, even without Aaron Rodgers, this is a really good football team. That defense is awesome. There's a lot of pieces on the offense that you can be excited about. It's just the quarterback. And the quarterback wasn't very good. That that was pl is plain to see. But this defense kind of got lit up. And I don't think they suck. But maybe this isn't the one of the all-time great defenses that we have seen. Um, and especially if they're going to be on the field a ton with their quarterback not being able to make any plays. So this is going to be a, a I think, a much more difficult road to hoe for the New York Jets, especially if this is uh, going to be the type of quarterback play that they get, and especially in the AFC. Speaking of uh, New York teams, the Giants saved their season with that late comeback against the Arizona Cardinals. If you go... 0-2 to start the year with uh, an absolute murderer's row coming for the Giants um, and a loss to the, the Arizona Cardinals with Saquon Barkley getting a little bit banged up. It's just, it's done. It's over. You're, you're in uh, an extremely difficult division in a kind of lax conference, but there is no way you can go 0-2 in that way 
and come out of this with your playoff hopes intact. I know it sounds hyperbolic for week one, but it felt like the second half of that game, the Giants season was on the line. And to their credit, they played like it and they came away with a win. It is concerning now that Saquon Barkley is banged up because you see this team and it's just become so apparent. There aren't weapons on this team, right? Like we, we knew that last year and we know it again this year. Darren Waller, phenomenal. Uh, Saquon Barkley, really, really good at this. Aside from that, there ain't a whole lot there. Maybe a couple receivers stepping up, we'll see. But for the, the Giants, that was a monumental comeback. The Chiefs offense needs to get going. Um, that has been a concern now for Kansas City here through these first two games. Just 38 points in the first two games of this season. And it looked better at times this week. And the numbers look fine, right? Mahomes, I think it's 305 yards, a couple touchdowns. Um, you get one of the passing touchdowns to Travis Kelsey, who is back. So, like, that helps the offense. But it still does not look like the same Kansas City offense that we have seen time and time again this season. Or uh, in the past, anyway. It looks like the offense we've seen this season because there has been minimal amounts of drives where it has looked comfortable for Kansas City so far this year. We will see if they can get that back on track. But surprisingly from Jacksonville, um, both teams just seem content just to throw the ball all over the place. Um, when Jacksonville, like their second best option right now, and I'm not a huge CEH fan, um, or sorry, Travis Etienne fan, either of them, but I... Like, their second best weapon right now is that dude, and they, they went away from it. Um, any concern that this show had about Christian Kirk quickly went away last week, so that one, that that moves back into the don't panic. He's not going to be awesome every week, but Christian Kirk is going to be a viable fantasy option going forward. But two teams that we thought were going to be locks to, to have explosive offenses this year just haven't. Um, and th this next one is concerning to me as well. The LA Chargers, with the offensive struggles that they have had, coming into um, now an 0-2 start. And I don't even want to say offensive struggles. It just hasn't, because week one was explosive and whatever. But week one, your defense can't stop anything. And you see here in week two, not that it was incredibly easy for New England to do it, but that was not necessarily an offense um, or, or a defensive game plan from the Patriots that could have been hard to replicate. And the, the Chargers just got absolutely lit up on them, right? And now this week, you put up, minimal amounts of points against a Tennessee Titans team who some people thought you could expose on the defensive side of things. So th this is now back-to-back -back weeks where a Chargers offense that I thought was going to be really explosive and dynamic just hasn't been. And I, I think um, I think there are major, major reasons for concerns on both sides of the ball for the Chargers. They dropped to 0-2. That's a good win for the Titans. Um, they, they needed that. Derrick Henry... Hasn't looked like the same beast, but I think Tajay Spears might be a guy who can fill in admirably. Um, Seattle needed that in the worst way as they get a win over the Detroit Lions. Um, that offense needed to get back on track, and it did. I'm concerned about this defense, um, and that's not breaking news. Oh, yeah, the team that's given up almost 40 points in back-to-back -back weeks you're concerned about? Wow. But th this was supposed to be... This defense was, I thought, going to take a bit of a step forward here in this year two with so many pieces that they drafted over the last couple of years starting to, to kind of come to fruition. That hasn't been the case. They have not been able to stop a nosebleed so far. And that is that is a, a concern for, for the Seattle team and something they desperately need to, to get ironed out. On the Lions side, this is um, an offense that, look, I, I was hard on in week one and they came out and put points up. But again, I'm... 
putting that more, and th this at some point is going to seem just spiteful, because anything the Lions do, I'm just going to credit, oh, well, the other team sucked. At some point, I am going to have to give the Lions credit, but it ain't this week. Um, that That is a, a Seattle defense that's been exposed through two weeks, that the, the Lions were just able to, to keep doing that against, and I thought this was supposed to be a defense that really stepped up. This was supposed to be the defense that came out in a, a big-time way and has improved. Look what they did to the Chiefs. I think we are seeing week one was because of the Chiefs, and week two... That might be because of the Lions. So we're holding off on celebrations about both teams in that matchup right now. Um, remember when people were saying, look, Sean Payton to the Denver Broncos. That is going to be like, lock that in. He's going to be able to get everything out of Russell Wilson. And this defense, oh, that defense is going to be able to look how good they were last year. Well, they traded a big piece off that defense last year. And now the, the defense, they only gave up 17 points to the Raiders. But uh, again, that might be more the Raiders than anything else. Um... 35 to Washington like that to me alarm bells are going off and full disclosure for those of you who are new to the show I'm a Raider fan so the, the it, I will take every opportunity to be very hard on the Denver Broncos absolutely but this defense I, I think has to really be sounding off alarms and Russell Wilson yeah they put up a ton of points that didn't look like an overly convincing performance from from Russell Wilson in that game they get the the the, the Hail Mary answered at the end, but overall, I think there are some major, still, concerns out in Denver. Um, I'm also concerned about what's going on with the Chicago Bears. Again, this was an offense that I thought was going to turn around, take a step forward this year. That hasn't been the case. That this has that this offense has stalled in back-to-back -back games. They just gave up 27 points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I, I think that the, one of the teams in the, the 0-2 world, and we're going to talk about the 0-2 the teams tomorrow um, in a bit more detail, but I think the 0-2 teams here, I think that there is some major reason for concern about what's going on with the Chicago Bears. On the Bucks side, some pretty good numbers put up once again by Baker Mayfield and this Tampa Bay offense, and one of the things that I had, because we took, uh, again, I believe it was over 7.5 wins on this Bucks team. It, we might have even got 6.5. I'll have to look at that. Um, but to to look at the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and look at this offense and have the, the concerns. Sorry, it was over 6.5. Um, to, to look at this team and all the concerns about where they were going to be, one of the things you could say was, yeah, well, they play in kind of a crappy division. They've played zero division games so far, and they got two wins, which means for our purposes, for us to get to seven, um, we now only need, now they're not going to, it would be impressive if they went five and one in the division, but I I do think that this is going to be a, a, a team that is going to surpass that win total, and I think a real viable threat to win the NFC South. Um, not a whole lot of notes on this one. That Rams field goal, is one of the all-time bad beats in the history of bad beats. For those of you who don't know, it was a 10-point game. There was like four seconds left. The Rams just kick a field goal to make it a seven-point game. The spread, seven and a half. So that is an all-time bad beat. Um, and my condolences, and I was I was there with you, my friends, um, who, who lost in the line of that battle. Uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens, a huge win over Cincinnati. It, at times was not a work of art, but this was absolutely a Baltimore performance that we were expecting from this season. And now, yes, the, the running backs are banged up, but they, they were able to ice the game away when they needed to. And on the Cincinnati side, again, real cause for concern. Joe Burrow saying that he's in quite a bit of discomfort after this game was done. 
the the Cincinnati Bengals have played a lot of football um over the last couple of years. I I just wonder if this year maybe isn't their year. But this was something we had baked in, right? With, with um with, with our thoughts on on Cincinnati, this was um a team that could get off to a slow start as Joe Burrow kind of managed that calf injury. I wonder if uh, a couple of things go differently for them. Uh, maybe even in this game, do they try to rest Burrow at some point and just try to get that calf one extra week to to get back to to full strength? Because th- this could be something that lingers throughout the season. Uh, the Raiders are back to being dreadful. That that was an absolute ass kicking. I'm not going to say the Buffalo Bills are are back and back on track or anything like that. The Buffalo Bills came out and did exactly what they needed to do against a very bad Vegas Raiders team. Does this mean anything going forward for the Bills? I don't take one thing from this game at all from a, a Bills standpoint. So great. It, it's better. Like there would have been bigger questions if they hadn't, but no, I, it's people talking, could the Raiders come two and oh, a big way to start this? No, no, this is not a good football team. And the Buffalo Bills proved it a uh, tough loss for, for green Bay. That offense just stalled in the fourth quarter. And especially late when um, Atlanta starting to, to come back, the, Packers offense just stopped working. And then there was pressure on, on Jordan Love. He looked fine in this game. Um, AJ Dillon didn't. If Aaron Jones is in this game, I think the, the, the Packers are able to to ice it away. But th- that was just, um, it was a bit of a concerning loss. Um, especially for those of us who have, again, an investment in Green Bay winning this division. That that was one where it's like, boy, that, that was right there for them. And if they could have come out of this stretch here quickly, 2-0 to start the year, that would have been great. But Atlanta, um, it's two performances where they don't look awesome, but they come away with a, a couple of big wins to, to start their year. And Bijan Robinson, once again, looks like just an absolute boss. Um, two more games in the NFL tonight. If you're looking for previews of them, that was on the Friday show. Moving into the Canadian Football League, the Argos wrap up the East. Interested to see what they do now, because th- this is a team that puts so much investment into what Chad Kelly can do, and you don't want him to just sit for a month. Like, all right, just take October off, and we'll see you in November. You still want to keep sharp, but at the same time, you want this team to be absolutely healthy going into playoff time, because this is a team that right now I would say would be your Grey Cup favorite. Um, so interested to see how they handle injuries and how they, they handle the, the next month as this team has kind of has locked down the number one spot in the East. Um, we have, I think, real playoff races going on now in the CFL, and part of it involves the Edmonton Elks getting back to life as they pick up a win over Saskatchewan. And this team is a this isn't a wild um this isn't a statement that it's like, oh man, a big proclamation coming. But for how they started the year, I think it's big. The Edmonton Elks are a part of the middle in the CFL. It's weird to say, oh yeah, they're mid as a compliment, but the Edmonton Elks in the first nine games of the season would have killed for mid. And now here they are having worked their way into legitimately a conversation about moving into a playoff spot. That's a big win against a a Riders team that had been playing okay. It's a couple of concerning losses back-to-back for Saskatchewan now, but for the Elks, they have worked their way into that murky middle, which I don't think anyone saw coming, especially in the first half of the CFL season. Um... I don't understand Winnipeg losing to, to Hamilton. Um, admittedly, that's one I haven't been able to, to sit down and watch, so interested to see what happened in that one. And for the BC Lions, consistency is becoming a bit of a concern. They put up 23 points in the fourth quarter against Ottawa to win that game, but they needed all 23 of them to, to come away with a, a wild victory over Ottawa. They're a very talented team, and certainly in the conversation for most talented team in the CFL, but 
I would love it if they could put a few really good weeks together now here to, to close out the season because it has been a bit too tough to trust what you're going to see from the BC Lions on a week-in, week-out basis. But that's the story from the football world this weekend. Some of the music on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Moving into baseball, and hey, look at that. The Toronto Blue Jays have won three in a row and are one of the hottest teams in Major League Baseball. I mean, one of those was just accurate. Um, but the other one, come on. That, that was... Again, I don't want to rain on the parade for the, the Blue Jays. That was that was a, a series sweep that they desperately needed. And a couple of games that they desperately needed to get. But let's not say this team is back. Um, they got incredibly lucky with the misplay in center field on, uh, on Varsho. They made a lot of really, really, really frustrating mistakes on the bases. And that's something that needs to get corrected right away. But there's also some positive signs. If you're going to buy in to a narrative that the Blue Jays are back, here comes Toronto, then you are going to have to, at some point, um, really buy into Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s turnaround. Like, that this was a big weekend for him, a big stretch for him, and one of the things that's really changed, I mean, his, his discipline at the plate has got quite a bit better in the month of September, that's been documented, but balls that were doubles and flyouts turned into home runs this weekend, and Flyouts turned into doubles, doubles to home runs, you know what I mean? Um, th those were some balls that went out that just weren't going out for him in the past. So I, I don't know if it's just luck, if he just happened to hit it in a certain way, or if there was an actual change there. But he's swinging at better, at better pitches, which certainly helps. He still pulled off of a ball, um, I think it was in the Friday game. It was a 95-mile-an-hour fastball that's right where you'd want a BP pitch to be. And he that ball should still be carrying, and he just popped it up. So there's still some times where he's pulling off on pitches, but um, overall, that, that is a big sign for the Blue Jays. And if they are going to completely finish this turnaround and get into the playoffs, win a playoff series or two, and make some noise, he has to be their best player, and he has to be the best player in the series. That rings true for this Yankee series and then the Ray series and then the Yankee series again and the Ray series again. All of those have to be true. He has to be the best player in both of the, in, in the series against both those teams. And then whoever they play in the playoffs for this team to a make the playoffs and B make some noise in the playoffs, but the stupid fucking base running mistakes have to stop immediately. It has been continuous this year. And look, it's not on the manager to just be like, Hey guys, just a reminder, maybe take up a second with nobody out. But th this baseball team is making too many mental mistakes to once again not blame it on the manager and there are times you love the aggressiveness of trying to, to score on some plays but it's just it's that first step of okay this is where I'm, oh no now I've missed and all of a sudden now I can't get to third base on a fly ball in in extra innings and it ends up working out but this is a, a team that has been making some fundamental baseball mistakes and I think again most of that is on the players but at some point it's on the manager as well. If everyone is doing it, this is a manager that I think needs to get this team back to being sharp if they are going to make any kind of noise in October. But the, the big thing for this team to take this weekend is, holy crap, is this pitching staff just on fire. That was as dominant performance as you can see from Jose Barrios on, on Friday night. It continues with Bassett on, on Saturday as well. But Barrios was 
phenomenal. That two-seam fastball looks like a plus pitch right now. The movement that it was getting on the hitters was spectacular. And he was darn near unhittable for basically that entire game. And um, just some really, really positive signs from him. Again, if we're starting a playoff series tomorrow, Gosman is number one. But I'm, I'm pretty locked in that Barrios would be the number two starter for the Blue Jays. We'll see what happens now as they start a series with the Yankees starting tomorrow. Let's close the show with some UFC Noche talk as we had an all-time classic um, for the UFC. My cat is dangerously close to turning that light on. Okay, we're still going. Um, an all-time classic for a UFC title fight as Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko fight to a split draw, meaning that Grasso retains her UFC strawweight championship in um, just a, a wild, wild fight uh, for the, the UFC. I said strawweight. I believe it's bantamweight. Either way, um... Alexa Grasso with a phenomenal performance in that bout, along with a great performance from Valentina Shevchenko. And not here to talk about the, the, the specifics of this, but th this was definitely a fight that drives home. These two need to fight again, and that third fight needs to be in Mexico. Uh, soccer stadium or um, just where they have all the wrestling or wherever, wherever you want to put it, this fight has to be somewhere in Mexico. Um, I, I think that crowd would be absolutely insane. It is a, a night that I think Alexa Grasso deserves. It's a night that Valentina Shevchenko deserves. I think it would put both of them in a spotlight that would turn both of them and just elevate them even more into higher levels of, of superstardom. But that is absolutely, th this trilogy is the fight that needs to happen next and it needs to happen in Mexico. No funny business of, uh, oh, well, it's T-Mobile Arena at least. No, 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 no. Mexico, the only place this fight can happen. On the co-main event, Jack Della Maddalena does get the job done um, in his fight against Kevin Holland. It wasn't picture perfect. It wasn't pretty. It was good enough though, right? Like th this was the biggest fight in Della Maddalena's career. And we said this was someone who could step up into the, the upper echelon at 170 pounds. He didn't like, he's not getting a title shot off of this one, but he has now worked his way into the top tier of contenders, I think at 170 pounds. You would like for it to look a bit more impressive going forward, but a win is a win in a situation that he desperately, desperately needed a victory in. And so that is a, a big, big performance for him. So we'll, we'll see what's coming up. More UFC talk coming up on Friday as we get ready for uh, another weekend of combat sports. But um, as we kind of roll through the rest of the show, it is now time for today's ticket. All right, today's ticket. Uh, we have five games on the uh, the ticket today. We are going with some early plays in the NFL. Uh, one of them we couldn't officially click on yet because the one of the teams in it is playing uh, tonight. But So we'll get that one out of the way first. Seattle minus four against Carolina. I'm sure that line will change rather quickly once the Panthers game against the, the Saints is done. But if we can lock that in, excuse me, at Seattle minus four, we are locking that in. Holy crap, my cat just jumped up on me from the floor. Um, we are locking that one in. It is... Oh, Babs. Please. Um, Chargers taking on the Minnesota Vikings. I think this is a bit of an overcorrection to what's going on with the Chargers right now. They are underdogs to start against uh, Minnesota, so we are locking in the Chargers at um, plus half a point. And we just talked about the offensive struggles of both of these teams. So again, I don't know why... We are going with um, such a high point total. So we are going to go with the under 48 and a half on the Bears 
taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are uh, three look-ahead plays for us for the NFL. Uh, for baseball tonight, we're going to go the Boston Red Sox plus a run and a half against the Texas Rangers. The Rangers aren't playing great baseball right now unless they're playing the Blue Jays. And the Red Sox at least held with the Blue Jays in those games. So we're going to go Boston plus a run and a half. And taking the Phillies minus a run and a half against the Atlanta Braves this evening. Uh, the Braves have got everything locked up. The Phillies still have a lot to play for. They have Wheeler going on on the mound tonight. So uh, all signs, I think, pointing towards a Philadelphia Phillies victory. Uh, this evening by at least a run and a half. So that's going to do it for the show. Thank you all so much for watching. Thank you all so much for listening. If you're watching, make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and share the link with, with all your friends because um, that stuff really, really does help. Um, leave a comment too if you disagreed or agreed with anything I said on the show. For those of you who are listening, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you can. And again, share it. That kind of stuff really, really does help. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email this show, Diary at yahoo.com. Um, coming up on the show this week, tomorrow, it's waiver wire day in the NFL. We were more focused on just the team game in the NFL. Today, we're going to do more of a fantasy football focus on tomorrow's show. Um, we are once again going to do the bad fantasy football team that would have beat yours. We're going to look at the 0-2 teams in the NFL and see how concerned they should actually be. And uh, because I knew this one was going to be close to the half an hour anyway, we're going to move our NHL preview and start it on tomorrow's show. So that is what's coming up. But again, uh, assuming I don't get sick again this week, we are five days a week once again this week. So this one's down. We got four more to go this week. Thank you all so much. And I will talk to you all.